Chapters 40, 41, 42, and 43 of Ruth Hall by Fanny Fern. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 40 Tom Herbert, are you aware that this is a six-spoonful of sugar you have put in that cup of tea? And what a forlorn face! I'd as life look at a tombstone. Now look at me. Did you ever see such a fit as that boot? Is not my hair as smooth and as glossy as if I'd expected to dine with some other gentleman than my husband? Is not this jacket a miracle of shapeliness? Look what a foil you are to all this loveliness. Lackluster eyes, mouth drawn down at the corners, you are a dose to contemplate. Mary, said her husband, without noticing her raillery, do you remember Mrs. Hall? Mrs. Hall, replied Mary, oh, Ruth Ellett, yes, I used to go to school with her. She has lost her husband, they say. Yes, and a fine noble fellow he was, too, and very proud of his wife. I remember he used to come into the store and say, with one of his pleasant smiles, Herbert, I wonder if you have anything here handsome enough for my wife to wear. He bought all her clothes himself, even to her gloves and boots, and was as tender and careful of her as if she were an infant. Well, to-day she came into my store, dressed in deep mourning, leading her two little girls by the hand, and asked to see me. And what do you think she wanted? I am sure I don't know, said Mary carelessly. A yard of black crepe, I suppose. She wanted to know, said Mr. Herbert, if I could employ her to make up trim and those lace collars, caps, and undersleeves we sell at the store. I tell you, Mary, I could scarce keep the tears out of my eyes, she looked so sad. And then those poor little children, Mary, I thought of you, and how terrible it would be if you and our little Sue and Charlie were left so destitute. Destitute? replied Mary. Why, her father is a man of property, her brother is in prosperous circumstances, and her cousin lives in one of the most fashionable squares in the city. Yes, wife, I know it, and that makes it all the harder for Mrs. Hall to get employment, because people knowing this take it for granted that her relatives help her, or ought to, and prefer to give employment to others whom they imagine need it more. This is natural, and perhaps I should have thought so, too, had it been anybody but Harry Hall's wife. But all I could think of was what Harry, poor fellow, would have said, had he ever thought his little pet of a wife would have come begging to me for employment. "'What did you tell her?' said Mary. "'Why, you know the kind of work she wished, is done by forty hands in a room directly over the store.' under the superintendence of Betsy Norris. Of course, they would all prefer doing the work at home to coming down there to do it, but that is against our rules. I told her this, and also that if I made an exception in her favor, the forewoman would know it, because she had to prepare the work, and that would cause dissatisfaction among my hands. What do you think she said? She offered to come down and sit among those girls and work with them. My God, Mary, Harry Hall's wife! Of course, that was out of the question, wife, for she could not bring her two children there, and she had no one to leave them with, and so she went away, and I looked after her and those little bits of children, till they were out of sight, trying to devise some way to get her employment. Cannot you think of anything, Mary? Are there no ladies you know who would give her nice needlework? 
"'I don't know anybody but Mrs. Slade,' replied Mary, "'who puts out work of any consequence, "'and she told me the other day that she never employed any of those persons "'who had seen better days, "'that somehow she couldn't drive as good a bargain with them "'as she would with a common person "'who was ignorant of the value of their labor. "'God help poor Mrs. Hall, then,' exclaimed Harry, "'if all the sex are as heartless. "'We must contrive some way to help her, Mary, "'help her to employment, I mean, "'for I know her well enough to be sure "'that she would accept of assistance in no other way.'" End of chapter 40 Chapter 41 "'Is this the house?' said one of two ladies, "'pausing before Ruth's lodgings.' "'I suppose so,' replied the other lady. "'They said it was number 50, Street. "'But it can't be, either. "'Ruth Hall couldn't live in such a place as this. "'Just look at that red-faced Irish girl "'leaning out the front window on her elbows, "'and see those vulgar red-bar curtains. "'I declare, Mary, if Ruth Hall has got downhill so far as this, "'I can't keep up her acquaintance. "'Just see how they stare at us here. "'If you choose to call, you may. "'Fuh!' "'Just smell that odor of cabbage issuing from the first entry. "'Come, come, Mary, take your hand off the knocker. "'I wouldn't be seen in that vulgar house for a kingdom.' "'It seems heartless, though,' said the other lady, "'blushing slightly as she gathered up her six flounces "'in her delicately gloved hand. "'Do you remember the afternoon we rode out to their pretty country seat "'and had that delicious supper of strawberries and cream under those old trees? "'And do you remember how handsome and picturesque her husband looked "'in that broad Panama hat, raking up the hay when the thunder shower came up, "'and how happy Ruth looked, and her children?' "'Tis a dreadful change for her, I declare. "'If it were me, I believe I should cut my throat.' "'That is probably just what her relatives would like to have her do,' replied Mary, laughing. "'They are as much mortified at her being here as you and I are to be seen in such a quarter of the city.' "'Why don't they provide for her, then?' said the other lady. "'At least till she can turn round. That youngest child is only a baby yet.' "'Oh, that's their affair,' answered Mary. "'Don't bother about it. "'Hyacinth has just married a rich, fashionable wife, "'and, of course, he cannot lose case by associating with Ruth now. "'You cannot blame him.' "'Well, that don't prevent him from helping her, does it?' "'Good gracious, Gertrude, do stop. "'If there's anything I hate, it's an argument. "'It is clearly none of our business to take her up, "'if her own people don't do it. "'What a love of a collar you have on. "'It is handsomer than mine, which I gave fifty dollars for. "'But what is fifty dollars when one fancies a thing? "'If I didn't make my husband's money fly, his second wife would. "'So I will save her ladyship that trouble.' And, with an arch toss of her plumed head, the speaker and her companion entered the famous saloon of Le Temps, where might be seen any sunny day, between the hours of twelve and three, the disgusting spectacle of scores of ladies, devouring, ad infinitum, brandy drops, Roman punch, charlotte russe, pies, cakes, and ices, and sipping parfait amour, till their flushed cheeks and emancipated tongues prepared them to listen and reply to any amount of questionable nonsense from their attendant rue cavaliers. End of chapter 41 Chapter 42 "'Some folks' pride runs in queer streaks,' said Betty, 
as she turned a beefsteak on the gridiron. "'If I lived in such a grand house as this, and had so many fine clothes, I wouldn't let my poor cousin stand every Monday in my kitchen, bending over the wash-tub and rubbing out her clothes and children's with my servants, till the blood started from her knuckles. "'Do you know what this child would do, if she were Mrs. Ruth Hall?' asked Gaddy. "'Well, she'd just go right up on that shed front in the street with em, "'and hang em right out straight before all the grand neighbors, "'and shame Mrs. Millet. That's what this child would do.' "'Poor Mrs. Ruth. She knows too much for that,' replied Betty. "'She shoulders that great big basket of damp clothes "'and climbs up one, two, three, four flights of stairs "'to hang them to dry in the garret. "'Did you see her sit down on the stairs last Monday, "'looking so pale about the mouth?' and holding on to her side as if she would never move again. "'Yes, yes,' said Gaddy. "'And here now, just look at the first peaches of the season sent in for dessert. De Lord, he only knows what they cost, but niggers mustn't see nothing, not they, if they wants to keep their place. But white folks is stony-hearted, Betty.' "'Turn that steak over,' said Betty. "'Now get the pepper.' "'Work and talk, too. That's my motto. "'Yes, Gaddy, I remember when Mrs. Ruth's husband "'used to ride up to the front door of a fine morning "'and toss me a large bouquet for Mrs. Millet, "'which Mrs. Ruth had tied up for her, "'or hand me a box of big strawberries, "'or a basket of plums or pears, "'and how our folks here would go out their way "'and stay as long as they liked, "'and use the horses and pick the fruit and the like of that.' "'Horse or brother, Massa Hainson, wonders he knows how things going on,' asked Gaddy. "'He knows fast enough, only he don't know,' replied Betty, with a sly wink. "'I was setting the table the other day when Mrs. Millet read a letter from him to her husband. "'It seems he's got a fine place in the country, where he lives with his new bride.' "'Poor thing. I hope he won't break her heart as he did his first wife's. "'Well, he told how beautiful his place was, "'and how much money he had laid out in his garden, and hothouse and things, "'and invited Mrs. Millet to come and see him, "'and then he said he supposed Mrs. Ruth was getting on. "'He didn't know anything about her.' "'Know about de devil!' exclaimed Gaddy, throwing down the pepper caster. "'Wonder whose fault that is, Betty. Suppose all these folks of ours upstairs will go to the breast place? When I heard of Master Mellet have prayers this morning, I just wanted to ask him that. You remember what our minister, Mr. Snowball, said last Sunday about the parabola of dives and Lazarus, eh?' "'Parable,' said Betty contemptuously. "'Getty, you are as ignorant as a hippopotamus. "'Come, see that steak now, done to a crisp. "'Won't you catch it when you take it in to breakfast? "'It is lucky I can cook and talk, too.'" End of chapter 42 Chapter 43 "'Something for you, ma'am,' said the maid of all work to Ruth, omitting the ceremony of a premonitory knock as she opened the door. A bunch of flowers, handsome enough for Queen Victoria, and a basket of apples all done up in green leaves. It takes witters to get presents, said the girl, stowing away her tongue in her left cheek as she partially closed the door. Oh, how pretty! exclaimed little Nettie, to whom those flowers were as fair as Eve's first view of paradise. Give me one, posy mamma, only one and the little chubby hands were outstretched for a tempting rosebud. "'But, Nettie, dear, they are not for me,' said Ruth. "'There must be some mistake.' 
"'Not a bit, ma'am,' said the girl, thrusting her head into the half-open door. "'The boys said they were for Mrs. Ruth Hall, as plain as the nose on my face. "'And that's plain enough, for I reckon I should have got married long ago "'if it hadn't been for my big nose. "'He was a country boy-like, with a plowman's frock on, "'and was as spotted in the face as a tiger-lily.' "'Oh, I know,' replied Ruth, with a ray of her old sunshiny smile flitting over her face. "'It was Johnny Galt. He comes in to market every day with vegetables. Don't you remember him, Katie? He used to drive our old Brindle to pasture and milk her every night. You know dear Papa gave him a suit of clothes on the Fourth of July, and a new hat, and leave to go to Plymouth to see his mother.' "'Don't you remember, Katie? He used to catch butterflies for you in the meadow, "'and pick you nosegays of buttercups, and let you ride the pony to water, "'and show you where the little minnies lived in the brook. "'Have you forgotten the white chickens he brought you in his hat?' "'Which cried, Peep, peep! "'And the cunning little speckled eggs he found you in the woods, "'and the bright scarlet partridge berries he strung for a necklace for your throat, "'and the glossy green oak-leaf wreath that he made for your hat?' "'Tell more, tell more,' said Katie, with eyes brimming with joy. "'Smile more, Mama. "'Aye, smile more, Mama. "'Earth has its bright spots. "'There must have been sunshine to make a shadow. "'All hearts are not calloused by selfishness. "'From the lips of the honest little donor "'goeth up each night and morning a prayer, "'sincere and earnest, for the widow and the fatherless.' The noisome, flaunting weeds of earth have not wholly choked the modest flower of gratitude. Smile more, Mama. How cheap a thing is happiness! Golconda's minds were drossed to that simple bunch of flowers. They lit the widow's gloomy room with a celestial brightness. Upon the dingy carpet Ruth placed the little vase, and dimpled limbs hovered about their brilliant petals, poising themselves daintily as the epicurean butterfly who circles in dreamy delight over the rose's heart, longing yet delaying to sip its sweets. A simple bunch of flowers, yet, oh, the tale they told with their fragrant breath. Smile, Mama, for those gleeful children's sake. Send back to the source that starting tear, ere, like a lowering cloud, it o'ercasts the sunshine of those beaming faces. End of chapter 43